1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio.
2: Good morning. This is Dr. Jimmy Stewart with you this morning on Southern Remedy. Glad everybody could join us this hour as we talk about what is ailing you. That's right, or maybe not what's ailing you, what kind of questions you have about health in general, specifically your health or your family's health. We take any and all questions about any subject that uh, is on your mind, whether you're age two days or 92. Or even older than that, and everywhere in between, we will take your questions this morning. You can reach us by calling one eight seven seven MPB Ring, that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you're not able to call, you can always send an email in to remedy at Online dot org. We do want to remind everybody we've got a full hour, but what happens sometimes on Southern Remedy is that we get down to about oh twenty to. Uh, 10 to 20 minutes uh, left in the program and we get a lot of callers and unfortunately that doesn't give us a lot of time to answer your calls. so let me encourage you if you've already got a question on your mind go ahead and call in right now we've got a open lines, uh, phone lines right now for you to call and would be glad to go ahead and take your call in the first part of the hour. It really is a great time to start it off. A lot of people are a little bit hesitant about calling in to be that first caller. Well, you know what? There's probably three or four at least other people out there with a question just like yours. That's right. So you can share that. That's one of the good things we like about Southern Remedy is when you call in and you ask a question and uh, that information goes out, it's not just for you. It's for all of our listeners. So call this morning, one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 We talk a lot on Southern Remedy, on all our Southern Remedy programs, about what we eat. So our diet, uh, the foods that we eat, the combinations of those are very important to our health. They're the building blocks of life that we ingest. And uh, sustain us, and the types of things that you eat, just like the old adage, you are what you eat, really do make a difference. There was a recent study in the US that looked at uh, comparing two groups uh, going all the way back to 1999. Wow, all the way back to 1999. Sounds like it's uh, not that far. Uh, in the past for me. 1999, comparing it through 2016. And what they looked at is macronutrients. So when we say macronutrients, we're talking about protein, fats, and carbohydrates. And they looked at the health of U.S. Uh, Americans, uh, of Americans that are uh, the adults, and what they ate. And basically, there's a little bit of improvements, particularly in that macronutrient uh, ratio. However, however, we're still, as a group, are still eating way too many low quality carbohydrates. So those fast foods, uh, sugary drinks, those kinds of things, and saturated fat. So those two areas were way high. So animal fats, particularly stuff that's fried, we love that in the South, don't we? Man, it tastes so good, but it's so bad for you. Those are the kind of things that can still lead to cardiovascular disease, to type 2 diabetes, and to certain types of cancer. So we still have a little bit of improvement in those areas, but um, a fairly big study that looked at uh, almost 44,000 people they were over 24, uh, 20 years of age and sort of looked at the last 24 hours as 24 24-hour dietary recall about what they ate. So a little bit of improvement, still some ways to go. So don't give up. Don't uh, rest on your laurels and say, well, we're doing great. Maybe we don't need to do so much anymore. But if you can do that, if you can stick to a healthy diet, varied diet, lots of fruits and vegetables, not a lot of red meat. If you eat meat, eat something that swims or flies. Uh, Fat sources need to come from either plant-based oils, particularly olive oil and nuts, um, uh, lots of legumes, lots of fiber in your diet. That's the kind of diet that can really uh, set you up for living healthy. Combine that with some regular exercise, both aerobic and doing a little bit of weights every once in a while. And you're going to live better, you're going to feel better, and uh, probably you're going to stave off some of the diseases that we talk about on Southern Remedy. All right, let's go to our first caller. We've got Arthur on the line from Corinth. Good morning, Arthur.
3: Uh, Good morning. Are you copying me?
2: Ah, yes, loud and clear.
3: Okay. Uh, My question has to do with uh, leg cramping. Sure. And uh, just a preliminary. uh, Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Sure. Uh, And I listen all the time. Uh, I walk for about an hour a day every day. I was taking Crestor for years, no side effects whatsoever. My doctor and I transitioned me to a generic. After two or three days, I went for my walk, and the leg cramping was so bad that my neighbor had to drive out and pick me up. Oh, wow. I'm wondering if you can explain. What I'm wondering is if, if, the, if the generic has the exact same ingredients as the Crestor, I don't understand why I'm getting
2: this
3: problem. Yeah. I'll listen off here.
2: Sure. Thanks, Arthur, for that question. That is a great question and a common one. So, you know, we have two types of medications. We have brand name, and then we also have uh, generic medications. And sometimes, uh, to save money, most of the times we go from the brand name to the generic. A lot of times there's no problem with that, but I do have patients that have exactly the same symptoms that Arthur um, related, or they'll have other side effects when you change from a brand name to a, um, to a generic. Now, that class of medications that he mentioned, the HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors or cholesterol medications or statins is another one. There's two of them in that class that are probably have the best evidence, and that's atorvastatin, that's the generic name, and uh, the uh, brand name is Lipitor. And then uh, he mentioned Crestor, which is rosuvastatin. So sometimes it's the same active ingredient, but the change is how is it packaged in that pill? So what are the fillers uh, that are in there? So the FDA requires, when you go to a generic, you still have to have the concentration of that medication, but how it's delivered may be a little bit different. So that's pretty profound what Arthur described uh, with those leg cramps to the the point where somebody had to help him. But I've had patients that had similar problems with generic medications. And again, (laughs) it's not all the time. So if your doctor says, hey, I want to switch you to a generic, I wouldn't balk at it completely. It may save you some medication and do exactly the same thing. But there are some that do cause problems. Uh, thyroid medications are one in particular that they, uh, the generics, uh, I just sort of shy away from because I've seen so many um, problems with that. But we don't know exactly all the reasons why uh, that some people have uh, different uh, problems. And you can, you know, if you had lined up 10 people and gave them, went from, uh, from Crestor to generic Crestor, you may only have one person that had problems. And Arthur might be that person. But in that case, what I would do, Arthur, is I would either switch to Lipitor or, or the generic there just to see, because you're going to get the same outcome. What you really want to do is stick with what the outcome is and make sure that you can afford it. Uh, there are some a couple other things people have tried in the past to take with it that might help, but you know, there's not much evidence there, so... Um, uh, you know, co uh, uh, coenzyme uh, uh, co Co-Q is one that people take a lot of times, but it's it's how it's made. It's made a little bit differently, and sometimes that can change in individual people how it's metabolized and uh, the effects of it. So that's my stab at that. I would say if you can afford it, go back to the to the regular Crestor because it's going to do the same thing into lowering your risk or. Maybe try Lipitor or generic Lipitor. So uh, same thing for everybody else out there. But do, uh, you know, a lot of people will just suffer through it for six months or a year and come back to their physicians like, I feel terrible. Call them back. I mean, because any change in a medication, even if it's the same medication, but going from a brand to a a generic may have that. So excellent question, Arthur. I appreciate you uh, calling in with that. All right, we're going to go to Tim from, I can't. Read where you're from there, Tim. Tim, where are you from? Oh, are you there, Tim? Did we lose Tim? Hmm. All we right. Go.
4: Let's,
2: try Let's try that. Wrong button. Oh, there we go,
4: Tim. There we go.
2: Yeah, I'm from Parkinson. Oh, Perkinson. Okay, great. Yeah. When I read I, I, that, I, I read it. This is the way my brain's trained. I read Parkinson. I'm like, that's not right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. So, I, uh... Recently, uh, reading on the Internet somewhere, is about a a pill for cholesterol and uh, blood pressure and some other uh, uh, ailment. I don't remember what it was. I think they call it a poly pill. Yeah, yeah. And it's supposed to uh, release different times. They've had good results with some people and some people they haven't. I just wanted you could elaborate a little bit on that.
2: Yeah, polypill, another thing that, that we used to call it uh, years ago, is a fixed-dose combination. So a combination of medications are more than one medication in the same pill. And the advantage with this is a couple. So number one, you don't have to take a whole handful of medications for problems. So if you have uh, you know different conditions, you can oftentimes combine those together and that actually, studies have, have looked at this and shown that it increases your adherence to whatever regimen that you're, you know you and your physician come up with that's the best thing for, for what's uh, going on with you. So that's, that's one uh, advantage to it. A lot of insurance companies will have a lower, you know, they'll have a copay for each medication or at least one, each pill that you have, each prescription. So if they're combined together, you might save a little bit. However... The downside is that a lot of insurance companies they prefer those those different medications to be split apart, uh, even though you know we've got a lot of evidence that they're uh, that they're uh, very advantageous to take them together. Now, is it going to do something magical? You mentioned different delivery mechanisms, and there are for different medications where they have sustained release, immediate release within the same pill for different medications, and. It's almost like little boxes that open up. Uh, really, sort of cool when you look at the, the background behind how they design those things. However, it's probably not going to do anything any different than if you took all those medications in separate pills. So, I would say if you, based on all the evidence to date, if it fits within your insurance company and their copay, check that first. Uh, but if it doesn't, then maybe taking those those medications separately will be okay. I'm all for though combining things. That's great uh, to do that. So, uh, excellent question, Tim. Actually, we were talking about that before the hour in the studio, just in the news with the poly pill, but not a not a totally new concept. It's just the delivery mechanisms are getting a little bit better on that. Makes you wonder, though, like sometimes, you know, you those those are rather large pills to take sometimes because of all the medications that are in there. But uh, that's that's what's going on with the poly pill. And uh, it's not necessarily something we would say, OK, the whole population needs to take this. It's really only for those individuals that it's going to uh, that it's going to benefit.
4: I got, I got one other comment to make. Okay. I listened to one of your commercials here, uh, last week or the week before about somebody who had a rotator cuff, uh, tear. Yeah. And he, he was, wasn't wanting to go have the surgery. Right. Uh, I had the rotator cuff tear last October, I think it was, and they didn't get do the surgery until beginning of March of this year. And, uh, I would recommend getting it done. I got two friends that walk around, they, they can't lift their elbow above the shoulder, and they've been that way, and they refuse to uh, go to, apparently, to the uh, physical therapy because it hurts. Yeah. Tell you, it'll kill you. Yeah,
2: but
5: you're I right.
4: Raise, I can raise my arm over my head now, I can touch my left ear with my right arm. Uh, it's just, it's been a long journey, but uh, I got to use that arm the rest of my life.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Tim, thanks for that testimony. You're exactly right. Uh, the earlier you can get that fixed, the better. That way you don't have scar tissue set in. So you're exactly right on that. Hey, thanks, Tim, for calling in. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to go to Debbie, Alice, and Elliot, who are patiently waiting on the lines. Plenty of time in the hour for you to call in on Southern Remedy. Call us this morning at one mpb ring That's one 672 We'll be right back after this.
1: Think Radio Podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb Ring. That's one 672 7464 Or you can email the show, Remedy at MPBOnline.org.
2: Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning, and i got a lot of good questions so far. Plenty of time for you to call in. one mpb ring 1-877-672-7464. We're going to go to Debbie, who's been patiently waiting in Mobile. Good morning, Debbie.
0: Good morning. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So I'm actually calling about my mother. She's 83, and she has these dark red Spots that appear every time she, not every time, but it seems fairly often when she hits something, especially on her legs when she bumps things. And she's been wanting to take these pills she had heard about over the internet that's supposed to prevent it. And I just wondered if you know of anything over the counter or that she could ask her doctor for that would help these skin issues.
2: Yeah. Are those like, and those are flat areas that when she bumps them, they get red and then they sort of look like a bruise?
0: Exactly, and sometimes yeah. they bleed and spots on them
2: right so so that is caused by a couple of different things, so as we age our our skin and the in particular the capillaries that carry blood in the skin, they get sort of fragile uh, with age, and that's why I mean you ever you know if you see people who, as they get older, we're all going to get this way, we tend to bleed a little bit more. And it gets exacerbated too if you're taking anything you know that can thin your blood or make your platelets not uh, not clot as efficiently. So it's the skin itself and the capillaries in the skin uh, that are causing that. And I'm not aware of anything. Even even I would say I would be cautious, particularly in somebody who's in their 80s, uh, of of anything even over the counter because their bodies metabolize a little bit differently. You might can try it. I'd research it first. Get your pharmacist to do that. Um, if there's a pharmacist at, that's connected to your uh, to her, uh, medical clinic, get them to, to take a look and see if it's going to interfere with, number one, anything she's taken or uh, hopefully not do any damage before you get it. But uh, and if you can look at the active ingredient in those things, I'm not aware of anything that's going to make that any better because really it's about those blood vessels being very fragile and uh anytime that you bump up against something, you're gonna have that, and it's a it's bleeding underneath the skin is what it is, so it starts off red as that blood uh breaks down it's a bruise basically, so you go from uh, sort of a brownish color to black to that purple um but that's probably what's happening at don't it's not anything that's like super super you know uh dangerous uh you just have to be a little bit careful about what you're doing and and, and, and for a lot of people, they're used to being very active and outside and uh, doing a lot of things, and they look like they've been in a fight, um, you know, particularly around their arms. But, Debbie, I'm not aware of anything that might make that better, but I'd get a pharmacist to research that on the active ingredients and see if uh, maybe it's something to try. If it's not going to hurt and they think it's okay for her to take, then you could at least try it and see.
0: Okay, that's a good point. And then maybe I'll go around her house and had any rough issues that's that 's right that 's
2: no well that 's an excellent <laughs> okay. idea that 's a very excellent idea because those things sort of stick out. I hit stuff all the time like that I hit the uh, we have an island in our kitchen and I nail that marble top of that island all the time with my hip and if, I guarantee you, if I was even over sixty five it would look like somebody took a sledgehammer to my hip uh, underneath the skin because I already have a bruise uh, all the time with that but that 's a great idea is to sort of look through that. Geriatricians teach us to do that even if you don't have bruising to prevent any kind of falls or things that might be a hazard. It's almost the same thing we would do for a toddler, right? I mean, sort of child proof right. the room. Well, we'd also, you know, I don't know what you'd call that, geriatric proof the room or something like that. But to try to just maximize the environment so that you can use it to the best of your abilities without getting hurt.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate sure, it. Sure. Thanks
2: for calling. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one to watch out for. It's a common one. You see people all the time sort of bruised up and you think, what has gotten into you? A lot of people are like, what, have you got a cat at home that's attacked you or something? It's like, no, just uh, bumping up against the counter and uh, other things like that. All right, we're going to go to Elliot, I think is next. Elliot in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Elliot. Thanks for calling.
3: Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just want to make some commentary on the cholesterol medicines. Yeah. I've I've actually been on three separate ones and uh you know I was on simvastatin for a while and then you know went without any symptoms for at least a couple of years and then you know started getting soreness and different pains, uh cramps and stuff like that, much you know much like the other gentleman was talking about and switched and so uh anyway, after a while, my doctor recommended I take CoQ10 along with it. And uh, I was re- resistant at first, but then I think as the pain started, you know, getting more frequent and intense, it, they were a bit annoying, but then I tried it out, and um gosh, it's been the key to minimizing the side effects. I mean, uh, for me, it, it worked very well, and... It's not to say that I don't ever have any soreness or things like that, but it the coq your chin greatly minimized it.
2: Yeah, I've 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 told patients the same thing. When they did the studies they didn't find that it, it helped as much as they thought it would, but anecdotally I agree with you and it's not really anything that's gonna cause a lot of problems and it's worth a try. So I'll tell my patients, Hey, you might want to try it and they most of them say, you know, I, I, they've they've had an improvement in it. Now they're, they, you're right; it doesn't totally get rid of it. In fact, if you're more active, the more active you are, if you're out walking a good bit, or maybe you're, you know, got a little bit hotter and uh, during the summertime outside, you'll have some uh, increased muscle pake, uh, muscle aches. But um, yeah, that's one that's been an additive, and it has allowed you to continue on the medication to get the the positive effects from it. So
3: I I almost wish that. CoQ10 would be, I mean, co-prescribed, like it would just be automatically prescribed together with the statin you <laughs> that you find know, in a pack. Right, pack.
2: right. I've so. I've heard, uh, you know, that was companies sort of, I think, were moving towards that at one point. Uh, but I think that's the reason, really, to do that, they would have to have an FDA... Approval for that component does that make sense? So oh, right, right, and because the studies didn't really bear out the what they thought would be, you know, a decrease in the, some of the uh, the side effects, uh, they weren't able to sort of do that. But you can always take it. You're right; they make it more. We're talking about combination medications earlier. Boy, that would be great, wouldn't it? Just throw it in there, and then this will take care of the side effects. But well,
3: well, and one more thing too. I'll tell you what; it's allowed me to continue on with uh, medication. You know, with some of these medications that, you know, ordinarily without the CoQ10, I wouldn't have been able to continue on with it. it the the pains and stuff just would have been too much to bear. Oh, yeah. So it's allowed, sure. allowed me to stay on it longer. Yeah. And uh, it's been good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, having those discussions with your physician uh, to say, hey, I understand I need to be on this to reduce my risk of heart attack, but if I can't do anything and feel miserable all the time, maybe we need to do something different. And I have those discussions with my patients all the time. Uh, when they have side effects, and uh, yeah. you just gotta you gotta see what works for your patient.
3: Absolutely, thank you too.
2: Oh yeah, Elliot, thanks for calling in. Common thing to deal with, and uh, we appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you. This is Southern Remedy. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB Ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're gonna go to Alice from Macomb. Good morning, Alice. Thanks for calling.
5: Good morning. There's a word I can't pronounce, but I want more information on it. D I V E R T I C U L O S I S.
2: Diverticulosis. Diverticulosis, right.
5: I, I want to know more about it, and is it something I need to worry about, or is there any way that they can get rid of it?
2: Sure. So, diverticulosis, I'm going to take a stab at it. I like analogies. So, here's what it here's what I what I the way I think about it. So, these are little dead-end streets in a neighborhood. So, if your colon is the neighborhood and the main street's going through that neighborhood, there's just one main street and it sort of makes some curves this way and that way, but it's got a beginning and it's got an end to it, right? So, that's your colon. Uh, And its job is to sort of, you know, take care of food, do some final breakdown, reabsorb water, package it all together and get rid of it. Now, on that main street in the neighborhood, there's some dead ends. Okay, so these are little side streets that that you just you got to turn around and come right back out. But if you think about how traffic flows through there, it's going to flow much, much better through that main street. Once it goes into those dead ends, it's going to slow down and it's just gonna be harder for it to get out, right? So in food, if you have diverticulosis, those are little bitty of these these dead-end streets, okay? These little pockets on the colon that are on yeah. the inside of it. And food gets stuck up in there, little pieces get stuck up in there, and those those little dead-end streets are called diverticuli, okay? And, and what
5: they way away from to not to get that? What
2: You can prevent them, but you can't really get rid of them very well. Oh. And, uh, and the problem with them is they get inflamed, okay? So if you packed 16 cars in one of those little dead-end streets in a neighborhood, you can't, I mean, that'd be tough, right? And everybody would be getting all out of their car and, you know, lots of inflammation there. So it's hard to do that. Once you get diverticulitis... That's the inflammation part. Anytime you hear itis, we're meaning inflammation or some kind of angry part of the body. You have to treat that with something. And with this, you treat it usually with antibiotics. So after a course of antibiotics, that helps quiet it down. Um, but the only way to get rid of it, if once it gets bad, is to take out that portion of the colon. Okay? Yep.
5: Nobody never gave me no antibiotics, and it's been a year or so.
2: So if it if it gets inflamed, if it's hurting a whole lot, you need to tell your doctor and say, if I have diverticulitis again, that's the inflammation part. You know, sometimes you'd even have a fever. You'd they'd, they'd examine you. You'd have pain, usually on the left side of your abdomen, of your belly. No. And, no. And uh, it would, uh, you know, that would be a reason to to do a round of antibiotics to try to get rid of it. Now, there are a couple of other things, but I'm guessing they probably, did they do like a scope to diagnose that?
5: Uh, They did that last year, and I went to uh, GI this year, and he didn't do anything.
2: Yeah. So that's the the, the scope. They're looking at it. They're going down that main street in the colon and they're looking for those little side pockets. And so if they saw it, then it's probably not gone away. I mean, it's going to be there, but it's uh, now what you eat. Some people say, well, don't eat any seedy foods or stuff like that. They may have told you that because they can get right because they can get right nuts or one. Most of the time, people know what what gives them a flare up. And I would just try to avoid those foods. Uh, I don't
5: know. I'm not. know i am i am just learning about this stuff. I'm oh, cute. sure. Okay. I'm afraid too. I'm nervous.
2: Well, just it's it's common. It's very common as you get older that you can have this, I would try to, to cut out some of those foods that they talk to you about.
5: They ain't talk to me about too much or nothing. That's why I'm calling you to get more ah, okay. information.
2: All right. That's, Let
5: uh, me tell you what happened. Uh, see, I've been kind of hurting in my side and stuff, and Monday I think it was my chest, it was just like muscle spasm. My chest got to hurting so bad, so I took a pain pill for a couple of days, but it ain't so bad today.
2: Yeah, now that may be something different. So, you know, sometimes you can have two things going on at the same time. The diverticulitis should just stay in your belly, it shouldn't go up into your chest.
5: Make sure you get out of my belly instead
2: of staying in my belly. Well, those little side pants, right? You're right about that, Alice. (laughs) Hey, when you start hurting, you call your doctor, you say, I've my, and you spell it out the same way you spell it out for me and say, it's flaring up. And I bet they'll probably call you in some antibiotics.
5: But ain't nobody really seem to be concerned like I am. I just have to find me some good doctors.
2: I think you're right. You may want to try somebody else and say, this is bothering me a whole lot. I want somebody that's going to be able to shoot straight with me, to treat it, and to tell me what my options are.
5: Yeah, you can be my doctor.
2: (laughs) That's right, Alice. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Alice. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. All right. That's great information there. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we got Jim and Joe that have been patiently waiting. We're going to come back to them and got plenty of time for you to call in. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be right back after this.
1: Think Radio Podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb Ring. That's one 672 7464 or you can email the show, remedy at MPBonline.org.
2: Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning. Got some great calls uh, this morning. You can call in, too, with your question or comment. You can reach us live this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one All right, we're going to go to Jim, who's been patiently waiting for a long time. Hey, Jim, thanks for waiting on us. Uh, got a lot of calls there, and we appreciate you calling in. Go ahead, Jim. Are you there? Up, oh, did we lose you, Jim? Uh, we may have lost him. All right, hold on just a second, Jim. We're going to put you on hold, and we're going to go to Joe. Good morning, Joe.
4: Good morning. Um, hang on a second. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Okay, I got CLL. Yeah. Chronic lymphocytic leukemia. Yeah. For, for the last three, four years, numbers have been great. But this last time I went to the oncologist my blood work, the numbers wasn't so great, and he said that the time is coming that I may have to get chemotherapy. Yep. And I'm wondering. He did tell me that I I probably could have took chemo a year ago and maybe did something with it. But I'm wondering about the chemotherapy. What does it? What is chemotherapy? And I was told something about a pill a couple of years ago. Uh huh. By seeing the numbers, <clears throat> if I don't let the numbers get on so high, what? what would be the course of chemotherapy.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, so CLL, chronic lymphocytic leukemia. So that there's different types of leukemias. CLL is one that, that affects mostly older people. It can be somewhere around 50 and up. And uh, basically lymphocytes are the, the cell line that are affected by it. And basically you produce too many of those, and it sort of crowds out the other white blood cells that you need in your bloodstream. Um, and it can interfere with lots of different things. You get too many of them. If the count gets really, really high, then you start to have a lot more problems with it. So a hematologist is the person, uh, who follows you for this. I know Joe knows all this. I'm just letting everybody else know. Uh, so they, they do basically, if you're just rocking along and your counts look okay, uh, they do some blood work once a year, maybe twice a year just to keep an eye on those counts. And if they're not changing over time and you feel fine, then uh, they just monitor it. But with CLL, and you can do that with CLL. Other cancers, not necessarily. You can't do that, even with leukemias. But CLL is one that you can delay anything that you need you know, to do as an intervention about it and just sort of watch it. But if it gets to the point where your counts start to get out of hand or if the other blood cells, sometimes like your red blood cells or your platelets, if they start to go down in number, that means that, you know, those that those cancerous cells are ones that are just sort of getting out of hand. Then chemo is one of the things and, and chemo is really it means a lot of different things. When we say chemo, I think most people remember twenty, thirty, forty years ago of chemo that were these medications that we gave You know, some of the first chemotherapeutic agents were very caustic. They were mustard gas, uh, what we used, you know, in in World War I. uh, And uh, we use it in in smaller amounts to kill off the cancer cells and try not to kill too many of the good cells. And they were very imprecise. Um, Now, thankfully, we've got all kinds of new medications and new ways to treat cancer that are so much more precise. It'll take out the cancer cells but they'll leave all the normal cells intact or at least a lot less of them affected. So, uh, you know, Joe, in your case, uh, if if you were talking about a pill, there are a couple of things that you can take now that are much more targeted. And a lot of these have to do with um, monoclonal antibodies and antibody-type therapies. Uh, there are all kinds of enzyme inhibitors, uh, like there's there are the kinase inhibitors or one, that you use to treat uh, CLL, and your particular, what the hematologist would look at is look at those cells in particular and try to pick out, based on any other medi- you know medications that you're taking, any other medical problems that you have, which one of those would be the best for you. The, the great thing about some of those new chemotherapeutic agents is that they're so targeted that they don't have, a lot of them don't have many side effects, so you can take it and it's very well tolerated you can go about your 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 day with very few limitations and a lot of uh a lot of uh cases there are a lot of different things they're going to talk about like the kinase inhibitors you do have to watch out for bleeding as a as a side effect in different uh different areas so uh infection can be one But if you compare this to, say, even 20 years ago of what we had, it is so much better. But you need to talk to your hematologist in detail and say, tell me about these medications. Tell me what they're going to do for me as far as how I can live and how long I might live with this. And then what are the side effects? What will my life look like? Those are exactly the questions you need to ask them. Uh, But the chemo just is a large uh, term that we use that can... It can, you know, it's a whole lot of different stuff. And just because somebody else, if you if you hear them, this is the problem when somebody said, hey, I had chemo and it just about killed me. But in your case, it may be a totally different cancer, totally different chemotherapeutic drug, and it may be totally different It may have very few side effects. So that's the kind of questions to ask that hematologist. All right, thanks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and good luck to you. That's one. I'll that, let
4: me ask one more question. Yeah, go this ahead. Kind of like uh, dealing with bone marrow.
2: Exactly, the bone marrow it, that the bone marrow makes uh, uh, blood cells. So it makes white blood cells uh, and it makes red blood cells and platelets. So there's three different main lines that it makes. The white blood cells have lymphocytes, granulocytes. They have all kinds of different subtypes of all those cells. Uh, And if it's doing its job properly, all three of those cell lines, uh, they're in the right range. But that's where that cancer is located, in the bone marrow. So the medication gets to the bone marrow through the bloodstream. Um, uh, Sometimes they'll target it, you know, uh, uh, through different ways. But that's, yeah, that's where all that is made in the bone marrow.
4: Okay, thanks.
2: Yes, sir. Yeah, as you get older, though, I've had a couple of patients that have had CLL and done very well with it. I actually uh, saw one not uh, too uh, long ago, and they're just in that uh, sort of phase of just uh, uh, monitoring things. You can sometimes go 10, 15, 20 years and not have to do anything with CLL. So it's uh, a little bit different than some other cancers. Uh, can't say just because you have one type of cancer, it's it's totally different if you've got another one. All right, we're going to go to V in Waynesburg. Good morning, V.
0: Good morning. I enjoy your show. Oh, thank your attention. you. Attention. Thank you. Yes, I have three quick questions. Uh, one, um, I'm uh, curious about the time after taking uh, thyroid medicine. I know they say at least thirty minutes or longer, and then there's the metamucil. So, what's the time limit between the after the thyroid medication and then say uh, the metamucil?
2: Yeah, usually it's about 30 minutes. So the thing about thyroid medication is if you take it with other medications or you take it with food, you're going to absorb different amounts of it, and usually you'll absorb less of it, so it won't work as well. So on an empty stomach, at least 30 minutes before or two hours after, because food hangs around your stomach for a while depending on what you eat, best time to take it, I think, is 30 minutes before a meal and at the same time every day. So whether that's first thing in the morning, something like that. So Metamucil is going to bind to it, and it's going to go through the GI tract, and it's not going to be absorbed as much, and it's not going to work. So, so the
0: length of time after you take, I'm asking, after you take the thyroid, how long should you wait before the Metamucil?
2: Oh, I got you. So I would pro- that 30 minutes is probably okay.
0: Yes. Okay, would you speak on, um
2: psoriasis, like underarm psoriasis? Yeah. So psoriasis is a skin disorder, and it has to do with uh, how the body... It's really an autoimmune disorder. There's a ton of different autoimmune disorders where your own immune system fights different parts of the body. Rheumatoid arthritis is one, but psoriasis is one that affects the skin and the skin layers in particular. And there's different types of psoriasis. There's psoriasis that just affects the skin... Uh, psoriasis it just affects the hair there's different types there's a guttate psoriasis there's more plaque-like psoriasis and then there's some psoriasis that can uh, psoriiform arthritis can go along with it Um, so it is uh, particularly on the skin very treatable with topical agents so there's all kinds of different things from steroids uh, that topically that are made for psoriasis there's some old Fashion, but they work well. Tar-based uh, therapies that are a, a, a thick uh, a lotion that you can put on there. Uh, but there's some other agents too that you can use, and even some medications by mouth sometimes have been used to treat psoriasis. And again, and they're just trying to treat that autoimmune component. The first step is making sure that your doctor knows what type of psoriasis it is and where it's limited. And then, uh, you know, primary care providers can do this. Sometimes I'll, you know, I have some patients with just uh, run-of-the-mill psoriasis that, that affects the skin or the hair, and we treat that. We monitor for other things, but um, it, there are different topical things you can put on there, like lotions or creams.
0: Yes. Um, next quick question is um, uh, the treatment for the um, osteo psoriasis is that. Is that um, yearly? Is you know, that when
2: they give you the? Oh yeah, osteoporosis. Yeah, yeah. Osteoporosis. Uh huh. Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. There's uh, so osteoporosis thinning of the bones. Uh, so it can uh, there's osteopenia, which just means they're really really thin. And then if once they get more thin than that, that's osteoporosis. So that's the worst of the two. And that puts you at risk for uh, fractures. So if you fall or even if you don't fall sometimes, you can have a, a fracture of a bone. And, of course, that's a lot of risk and uh, hospitalization. Lots of different things can happen during those time periods. So there are certain medications that can help rebuild the bones. You want to make sure that you don't, first of all, have a deficiency in vitamin D metabolism or uh, calcium metabolism. So there's some, some things that they would want to check But if all those look okay and and that you're taking in appropriate amounts of calcium and vitamin D, uh, so, you know, at least uh, 1,600 milligrams a day with vitamin D on top of that, um, uh, just as a, you know, you can do that with over-the-counter medications. Uh, Vitamin D, if you're deficient in that, they'll give you a prescription for more. But uh, the medication you're talking about once a year. So there's a a uh, infusion that you can take once a year. That's a bis.
0: Blast some type of blast they call it.
2: Uh- yeah, it may be the the uh, uh, oh I'm blanking on the name right now. So but there's two different types of, of medications that can do that. One's a bisphosphonate, but basically they are they are stimulating the cells that lay down more bone to make your bone thicker. So there's two different types of cells that help to do that there's osteoblast and the osteoblast are the ones that lay down more bone and osteoclast take it away so they're trying to stimulate the osteoblast to, to make more bone uh, so that it gets thicker or at least that you don't lose any more of that bone thickness and they'll test that from time to time it's not a a quick thing it can you know it takes a lot of time to do that and depending on the degree of thinning of your bones your doctor may also encourage you to do some light weights or some supervised uh, weight-bearing activity, because yes. that can help uh, keep it uh, thick, too.
0: Yes, I do that. Great. Thank you. Yes, thank ma'am.
2: You. Um, three great questions. That's awesome. All right, V, thank you. We're going to take a short break, and we come back. Charlotte has been patiently waiting. We're going to come to her. and. uh Really appreciate everybody calling in today. The number to call is 1 MPB ring 1 672 7464. We'll be right back after this.
1: southern remedy with dr jimmy stewart on mpb think radio to take part in today's show with your questions or comments call one mpb ring that's one 672 7464 or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org
2: Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning. Uh, I got some great uh, questions and hopefully some good answers for you this morning. Uh, If you missed Southern Remedy and maybe you came in later on the show and you want to go back and listen to it, we do archive these so you can look at uh, mpbonline.org and uh, just search for Southern Remedy and you can go back and listen to some shows and uh, this would be a good one. It's got a lot of different topics on it. Uh, if you missed something or if you came in a little bit late, always a good idea if you have a question that comes up, uh, not just while we're on the air, but while we're off the air to uh, email us. You can reach us at remedy at mpbonline.org. All right, real quick, we're going to go to Charlotte from Cleveland. Good morning, Charlotte. We've got about three minutes.
0: Okay. Each of my parents uh, has passed away. Each had three kinds of cancer. My mother's last two were well, she had breast. And then leukemia and then non-hodgkins and the oncologist said he believes it's that our home place that we had for 50 years was surrounded by agricultural fields and the ag chemicals were the cause of all and i was found with an endocrine gland mass three years ago that i follow every year can that mass always stay okay and not do anything and was there a connection between my mother's
2: leukemia going in can that could that have gone into non-Hodgkin? Um, the leukemia part because leukemia is such a a broad topic. Uh, it's it sometimes they can transform. Okay, so sometimes it can start out one way and then it can transform into something else. Like multiple myeloma can transform into. Uh, myelodysplasia. So there's lots of different ways that sometimes they can deviate from their main track. Um, It is possible, you know, that uh, I agree that exposure to a lot of different things. When you start talking about two or three different types of cancers that somebody might have, you do start, you know, raises some eyebrows like, okay, what kind of exposures did we have to something? And it's it you gotta do some really good detective work to to tease that out. Um, it, to your endocrine tumor, you know, uh, or endocrine problems, overactivity of anything, particularly glands, glandular tissue has a higher turnover rate. Skin, uh, GI tract, anything like that. If you already have a, a, a problem with it, that's something that they're going to want to watch intently for a transformation into cancer. It's not a hundred percent though. Um, And it's hard in in exposures like this just because if they were around farm, you know, a farming environment, that's a ton of different chemicals that you get exposed to. So you can't just nail it on any one of them. Uh, Mm -hmm. My biggest thing that I would recommend to you, Charlotte, is to make sure it sounds like you already have this. To have uh, surveillance uh, by your physician, by a team of, of physicians or other healthcare professionals that knows exactly what they're doing, so that they're going to be able to watch out for any kind of, of emergence of cancers or transformation of things.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much.
2: You're welcome, and uh, good luck to you. Uh, the environment around us—we know that it, it uh, definitely can affect us in what we do. We mentioned food on here earlier. You know, even food can um, can definitely affect things over time. But chemicals are a big one. If you are around chemicals, make sure you're using the proper uh, safety techniques, gloves, uh, respiratory equipment, stuff like that. And a lot of people. I you know, I, I have a hard time doing it too, preaching to myself this morning, but that's something we need to watch out for. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Think Radio is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from you, our listeners. Today's show was engineered by Kevin Farrell. Our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. You can join us next Wednesday at 11 for Southern Remedy. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.